When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday, everyone. We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I'm your guy, Justin Michael. Excited to talk a little CSU men's basketball. Also going to talk about some keys for CSU football against San Diego State on Saturday. It's do or die time for the Rams. It's a must-win game. Both teams trying to keep ball eligibility on the table. Brady Hoke of San Diego State debatably coaching for his job. Although with his buyout situation, I'm not 100% sure on that. I just think it's hard to continue to to sell that product moving forward. They have this new stadium, and week after week, nobody's there. It just seems like a really stagnant situation. And I mean, it's not like this is anything new. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, I was I was singing this over the summer. So this is this is where I've been at with San Diego State for quite some time. I feel like this is a very winnable game for the Rams, but obviously right in this three-game losing streak, it's it's tough to feel super confident at the moment. We'll get more into that down the line. Before we talk, CSU men's basketball, who came off of a, a big win over Louisiana Tech on Monday. They'll take on Wright State Friday night in Moby Arena. Kind of like Louisiana Tech, deceptively a bit of a difficult challenge for the Rams. The schedule only gets harder from here, so these are the ones you definitely have to take advantage of. We'll talk more about that. I did want to start the pod just briefly by shouting out the CSU women's basketball team. They moved to 2-0 by beating Alabama A&M 83-39 last night, beat LeMoyne in the season opener 69-49. Really nice start for the Rams. Offensively, they've looked great in the two games, as well as the exhibition, scored 87 in the exhibition win against UCCS. Now they've scored 69-83 and in the first two regular season games. More than anything, though, out of these three contests, and obviously only two of them are official, the exhibition doesn't count, but out of those three, 50 points is the most they've given up this year, and that's that's really intriguing because we knew this team was going to be able to score points. For me, I think it all comes down to the defensive side and then kind of what happens in the paint. They don't have a ton of size in the posts, and I wonder when you go up against the UNLVs and Wyomings of the world if that proves to be problematic, just like it was in the Mountain West Tournament. Furtick kind of took their lunch money in that matchup against the Pokes, but I will say that I really like the build of this roster top to bottom. I think they're going to be really explosive offensively. They've done a really good job of reinforcing themselves with some more firepower via the transfer portal these last couple of years. Ryan Williams just going out and plugging and playing, finding people to just step right in and seamlessly keep it rolling. It's been pretty impressive. And this was definitely a, a nice start for CSU over this first week here. Last night, McKenna Hofshield led the Rams as she tends to do. She had 26 points, 9 of 13 from the floor, 3 of 5 from deep. Hit all five of her free throws, also had a team-high six assists. Her and Isaiah Stevens were just were so fortunate to get to watch this high-caliber point guard play night after night. It, it really is a treat. I mean, three, four nights a week between these two teams you can turn them on and just watch 
watch the game the way this was supposed to be played. I know I sound like an old man there, but the unselfishness, the team first mentality, it's just really refreshing. And when you combine that with the raw skill that these players have, the ability to put it on the floor, to score from all three levels, it's just special. And, you know, on top of that, what's cool about the the construct of the women's team, very similarly to the men's team, is I think there's a lot of shooters around McKenna that are going to benefit from her presence out there. You had five different players hit at least two threes in this one. So it's great to see the collective scoring effort. It's great to see McKenna back and doing her thing. And more than anything, it's great to see this team playing some quality defense over the first couple of games. It's something that's going to have to continue to be the case if they're going to make a run, especially just not as the, the the biggest team in the world. They're more of a finesse offense. I think they're going to be really fun, though. I do, especially with McKenna back and the leadership that they have in that locker room. I just think it's a, a really good spot for them to potentially make a run. It'd be awesome to see them make the NCAA tournament. And as my good friend Kevin Lytle of the Colorado one put in his feature the other day, I think that was right before the, the first game, that number four should absolutely be in the rafters. After this season, you can retire it for both individuals, McKenna and Isaiah, two of the most special basketball players to come through the program. What a treat. What a treat it's been to watch them. And I'm excited to talk more men's basketball here in just a second, but I do want to acknowledge our good friends, our partners over at Hero Bread. If you're looking for a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle or potentially some dietary constraints, I highly, highly recommend Hero Bread. What's awesome about Hero is it's soft and fluffy. It has the the taste and texture of just a normal bread, but it's high in fiber, ultra low in net carbs, zero grams of sugar per slice, and you'll actually get five to 10 grams of protein per serving as well. So just a really solid option right now. Hero Bread is offering the DNVR fam 10% off their first order Just go to hero.co and use our code DNVR to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O. Save 10% today. I also want to talk to you guys about a big opportunity with DraftKings Sportsbook. You know, who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? We're more than halfway through the NFL season. DraftKings Sportsbook is pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers bet just $5 on anything. Get $200 in bonus bets instantly. They're not stopping there either. DraftKings is letting all customers take advantage of a sweetener offer every single game day. For instance, the Broncos, they're playing in Buffalo Monday night, looking to keep that momentum rolling. Maybe you want to just go all in on that and boost the money line. It's already plus 275. Maybe you just want to boost the spread and hope that they keep it tight. There's so many different options with DraftKings. What are you waiting for? Get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now. Use the code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DNVR. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8787-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or just visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and up, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. 
See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Cool, cool, cool. Let's talk a little CSU men's basketball action now. Rams 1-0 after taking down Louisiana Tech 81-73 on Monday night. It was a bit sloppy at times. I mean, you're down as much as 11 in that second half, trailed by one at halftime, and things were were looking a little rough. You're kind of wondering, oh man, are we going to have that classic game one hangover situation? Fortunately, nothing like what happened to UNLV, who they were 22-point favorites, I believe, to Southern out of the SWAC. Ended up getting beat by double digits at home. That continues to be such a fraudulent program. But anyways, I I thought the resiliency displayed by the Rams in this one was really encouraging. I think there was quite a bit to like about it. There's certainly things that you need to see them clean up. The rebounding effort was not great. Uh, In total, they got out-rebounded in this one 39-23, which is certainly not great. They had zero offensive rebounds. They allowed 13 second chance points off of 13 offensive rebounds the other way. So those are those are definitely the key areas in which we need to see them be a lot more consistent moving forward. At the end of the day, though, I just think there was quite a bit to, to like about this one. While the defense was not great, it was up and down for the first 30 minutes or so. They really did figure it out down the stretch. They made some adjustments with how they were switching things. They started to take away some of the driving lanes that were burning them. And I think this team's potential on the defensive side, it's pretty high. With the way that this roster is built, I think this is this can probably be the best defensive team of the Medved era. You don't have a guy like David Roddy, but they have so much length and athleticism top to bottom. They have multiple high-level on-ball defenders, which is... Not really something that the Rams have had these last couple of years, maybe two at one time max. And it was more like you had one really good on-ball defender and one pretty good on-ball defender. But I think Nick Clifford is going to be excellent there. I think Josiah Strong is going to be huge there. Isaiah doesn't get the credit he deserves for his defensive effort. I think Scott is going to be really solid on the defensive side. They just They've got a lot of really high IQ players that also happened to be skilled and above average athletes, which is huge. On the defensive side, they had seven steals and three blocks in this one after allowing Wright State to hit their first seven shots of the second half. They ultimately held LTU to nine of 28 down the stretch. So when the game was there for the taking, they got stops. They were able to attack and transition the other way and convert some of those stops into points, which was really big. But again, rebounding is definitely an area they're going to need to be better. And I just, I'm not that concerned about it. Medved said it was definitely the most disappointing component of the win, but he wasn't worried either. It wasn't like, the thing about Medved is he's so honest and forthright with how the team has played. It's really nice. Jay is is great that way as well, but they rebounded pretty well against Minnesota and Oregon from what I've been told. I just don't think it's going to be an issue as long as they held up against those high majors. I think when you look at the guys that are on this roster, the athletes that they have, they're going to be better there. Now, I will say, because you don't have a Nico Carvacho type presence, a a true seven-footer, it is going to have to be an instance, especially when you're playing teams with a lot of size, where you rebound as a unit. It's going to have to be a collective effort. And I do think that that's going to take a little bit of time. You know, these players are going to have to 
kind of get a feel for each other of what it's like out there against other teams. You can practice it, but it's always different in a live game situation. And you just start to learn your teammates' habits. You learn, you know, who's going to be drifting out in these situations, who's going to be attacking the hoop. And the more that these guys get minutes out there together, the more cohesion they're going to establish. Again, it's just not something that I'm very worried about. It's a process. And you do need to see the effort there, which again, down the stretch, I think it was. And even when they were struggling, I don't think it was necessarily due to a lack of effort. I think it was more just about execution. I think there were some nerves there early. Again, first time you're playing in front of fans, there's always going to be some nerves there, especially with multiple guys making their debuts. As far as the positives go, I thought the offense was solid. Again, some sloppiness early on, but I do think that the decision-making was really solid. There were very few poor shots in this one that really jumped out. Javante Johnson had a transition three I didn't love, but that was really the only one, and I'm not even trying to single him out again. There just weren't that many bad shots. That was really the only one I could think of. I thought the passing was crisp. I think guys were looking to create quality looks early on, especially we saw a lot of post-ups and trying to attack the paint. I, I thought working it around the perimeter to get great looks and not just okay looks was clearly in the back of the minds of the players. I just thought the decision-making and the unselfishness was really, really encouraging. You have 19 assists as a team. I mean, you have a lot of new contributors on this team, so that's that's super encouraging. Isaiah Stevens has a double-double for the five starters finishing double-digit scoring figures. There's just a lot to like about how this was a collective effort and not a one-man show. I thought it was great that they were able to score from all levels. They attacked in transition. Their three-point shooting was good. It wasn't great, but it was good, especially down the stretch. They hit some timely catch-and-shoot threes when they needed to come back there in the second half. The Rams were plus 10 in points in the paint, 38 points in the paint versus 28 from Louisiana Tech, and a lot of those were down the stretch. The Rams did a good job of forcing their will of getting to the free throw line as well. And when they got there, they hit their free throws, 23 of 36 as a team. Love that. But I just, I really liked how versatile this group looked in this first game. I thought the chemistry was pretty solid, especially for it being game one. You didn't play an exhibition in front of fans. You know, I don't want to get too carried away about an early November victory or anything like that. But I do think this Louisiana Tech team is... They're going to be solid. They should be in the mix in Conference USA. I really thought they did a solid job of being physical, of mucking it up, and and kind of taking the Rams out of rhythm early on. They were switching everything one through five, which did give CSU a, a little bit of trouble until they figured it out. Ultimately, though, if this team can stay healthy, I just think that this is an NCAA tournament team. I really do. I think they're a sleeper in the Mountain West Championship race. Not because I I don't respect San Diego State or Boise or anything like that, but just because I think people are undervaluing CSU, especially with Isaiah back. I think they're undervaluing the portal additions. Neat Clifford playing with a true point guard for the first time in his life. I wrote about this, so I don't want to get too redundant. If you missed it, go check it out. But one of my big takeaways from this first game is that I think he's going to thrive offensively because he's going to have great opportunities to catch and shoot threes. He's so dangerous on the drive. We saw that all game. He can get to the rim whenever he wants. And the more he's able to knock down those shots, the more it's going to open space for him to drive. They've got to be hesitant, defenders, I mean, about how intensely they close out on him. 
because he's going to be able to blow past him and that gives him space to open up his shot. It all kind of works together. But I think the big thing for him is just playing in a better fit than what he was being asked to do at CU. I think Scott and Cartier in the post are a really solid combination. You've got a great mix of finesse and physicality. We do need to see that translate a little bit more on the glass. I get it. Josiah Strong, I know he's not technically new this year, but he only played against St. Mary's last year, the one game, I believe, all last season. They had what was supposed to be their projected starting lineup, and they beat a top 25 team. But Strong being back is just is so big for this team defensively. He's another guy that can attack you from the perimeter, another shooter. You got Jalen Late coming off the bench, great 3 and D guy. If he embraces that role, I think it could be perfectly suited for him, and I very much expect him to return to the starting lineup next season when some of these veterans move on. That may honestly be the the biggest key for this team and how far they go is just whether or not players are able to accept roles. There were 10 guys that saw the floor tonight for at least three minutes, and that's without Rashawn Memba or Tavy Jackson, both of which I expect to be in the rotation especially Memba in in some form or another, they've got a lot of guys that are capable of playing. And if they were at different schools in the Mountain West, could probably serve bigger roles than what they're going to. Maybe with, with some guys, it's going to be a smaller role than what they're accustomed to, what they expected potentially. I think of a guy like Tavy, for instance, who I do think is going to be in the rotation, but you don't know if Isaiah is going to come back for that fifth year or not. If you're him, you're probably hoping he doesn't just so that you can get playing time. Uh, another guy that comes to mind is Kyle Evans, who really flashed early on this past year. But now you bring in Joel Scott. It's going to be a one and done. But I'm sure that Evans expected a, a larger role than he's ultimately going to to get to play this season. From what I've heard, Memba is going to be in the rotation more than him, at least early on. Again, we'll have to see how that plays out. And that's that's not a diss on Evans because I think he's going to be really good. I think that's more a testament to the the depth in the front court that they finally have. They maybe don't have a, a true five, a seven-footer, but they've got guys that play bigger than they are. They're much more athletic. Memba's going to be kind of similar to Roddy. I hate throwing out that comparison, but just stylistically a guy that can bang in the post. I mean, he's been playing grown men in Europe for quite some time, dealing with the physicality of 17, 18-year-olds. That that ain't going to be shit to him. And honestly, even with him, he's a guy that could probably play more if you didn't have both Joel Scott and Patrick Cartier. There's just a lot of really talented players on this team. Javante Johnson, I don't think he's going to play a ton this year. I mean, I, I think he has the ability to step in and hit some threes and, you know, maybe be a defender for you. But I just, I don't think he's going to, I mean, who is he going to play over? He's not going to play over Tavy Jackson or Kyan Evans. I think Joe Palmer would get minutes over him just because Palmer is a spark plug who has really earned his role over the last two years. It's just, it's going to take some sacrifice from these guys and how they're able to manage that will probably be the biggest factor, I mean, along with health, of, of how far they ultimately go this season. And I talked about that with San Diego State last year, how impressed I was with Brian Dutcher basically being able to keep 11 guys happy, all of which could have played bigger roles elsewhere 
But because they bought into it, they ended up going on this really special run and all the way to the the national title game. And I'm not saying CSC is going to do that, but I think if these guys can balance that and just essentially overcome human nature, the selfishness that's within all of us, we all want to play more. We all want to be the guys making shots, but at the end of the day, you would hope that these guys want to win more than anything. And if they're able to overcome that, that selfish element within their brain. And again, this is, I'm not saying this is about anyone specifically or anything like that. It's just, they've got a lot of guys that can play and naturally there aren't enough minutes for them. So how do they handle it? That's what I'm really interested to see. My long winded point here, getting a bit redundant, but I think you guys get it. I'm not going to spend a ton of time previewing Wright State just because the the turnover time between when you're going to listen to this pod and how that game happens. But a couple of people to keep an eye on. Brandon Knoll, Horizons reigning freshman player of the year. Uh, Trey Calvin, first team All-Horizon last year guard, led the team in scoring. Knoll, really effective in the front court. They've also got Tanner Holden back, who was the 2021-2022 Horizon League player of the year. He went to Ohio State last year, comes back to Wright State. Looking at the metrics under Scott Nagy, the, the past few years they've been a team that tends to get quality shots. They've been top 50 in effective field goal percentage in two of the last four seasons. Never been lower than 107th in that stretch. So that's indicative of a team who doesn't tend to beat themselves with bad shot decisions. They did not shoot a ton of threes this past year. In fact, they were 346 in three-point attempt percentage, according to Ken Palm. They did hit the ones that they shot pretty well, 35% as a team. They also defended the three really well. Number three, or number, excuse me, number 93 nationally at 32.6% allowed from beyond the arc last year. Something to keep an eye on if they're able to get in guys' faces, defend the perimeter well, how does CSU adjust? They did a good job of working the paint early and late in that first win over Louisiana Tech. Do they do that again? I, I hope to see it. You don't want to get two, three happy. Obviously, the three is going to be a huge part of this offense when you're rocking a four out, sometimes even five out. But three-point shooting, something to keep an eye on. I'd like to see the Rams be more consistent on the glass really build off those final 10 minutes against Louisiana Tech where I felt like the on-ball defense was stellar. The transition offense was great. I just want to see more of that. I think those are the the big things I'm looking for in this game. It's early November. I mean, you got 30-plus games. There are times where you're just not going to have your A game. But as I said in my article the other night, the schedule only gets harder from here. CSU did not hold back when it comes to this non-conference slate. You've got multiple quality teams uh, out of the Pac-12 potential to play. You know, Creighton, depending on what happens with that Thanksgiving tournament. It's just, it, it's a schedule that is going to test you. And if you can get through it, it's going to set you up perfectly for the NCAA tournament. I love that this staff doesn't shy down. I love that they do this every year. They're not pulling a New Mexico who lost to St. Mary's last night. Now you look at that schedule they have very few opportunities for quality wins before they get to the Mountain West slate. That's just not an approach that I like, and it's not good for the the league metrics as a whole. I imagine Medved and Dutcher of San Diego State, who always schedule up, I bet they were pretty pretty PO'd that Patino did that, to be honest, because it's it's something the selection committee sees right through. It happened to CSU under you, Stacey. 
they, they see through those hollow schedules where you rack up, you know, 15 wins in the non-conference slate, but you maybe beat one team that that's, you know, worth anything. So again, a tough schedule as it goes on. These games in the early slate are big for establishing chemistry, just kind of getting it rolling. Uh, but Wright State, definitely a team you have to respect. You don't want to overlook them because they do have some talent. We're going to finish up this pod. We're going to talk about some keys for CSU football against San Diego State Saturday night. I do want to give you guys my DraftKings Pick of the Week. DraftKings Pick of the Week. Friday night, we've got UNLV hosting Wyoming. This spread was five and a half when Dre and I did DNVR Rams live on Thursday morning. Now down to three, and I like that a lot better. I'm taking UNLV to cover the three at home against the Pokes. I've bought into what the Rebels are doing right now. I think they have a real identity. That defensive line has been solid of late. They're running the football. Maeva has been solid for them at QB. You know, Ricky White at receiver. They're a tough team. I don't think they're a Mountain West championship team, and this is going to be a really tough test for them. They should have beat Fresno. That game got away from them. They very easily could be in that mix, but they have an opportunity here to pick up their their biggest win of the season and really kind of affirm the growth that they've shown this year. Barry Odom, I'm interested to see, is he a guy that gets some P5 interest this offseason, especially because he has that head coaching experience? Wasn't like he was a disaster at Missouri or anything like that. Anyhow, just something to observe in the offseason. But my DraftKings pick of the week... UNLV to cover, minus three. You can get that at minus 115 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings pick of the week. I also want to shout out the homies over at Game Time. It should not be a stressful experience buying tickets to sporting events or anything, but honestly, it has become a process with most companies out there. Not with Game Time, though. They always have your back for last-minute deals. You can, at times, save up to you know 18% with some of their... Their zone savings deals, which is awesome. There's no fees, which is, I mean, in today's world, you're always getting ripped off with fees, but not game time. You can see exactly what the view is from your seat before you buy it to make sure you're not getting in an obstructed view scenario. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets by using game time. Download the app, create an account, use the code DNVR to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and use the code DNVR for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Finally, you guys know how much I love Breckenridge Brewery, and that truly is personal testimony. My girlfriend's worked there for the last decade. A lot of good people over at the Breck Farmhouse. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Great spot to watch a game. Great spot to have an ice cold beer. They have a really nice seating area outside. It's just, it's a pleasant spot. Plenty of parking. It's it's the bee's knees. I love Breck. You love Breck. Check out the Breck beer locator at breckbrew.com to find the closest liquor store, grocery store, whatever near you. I truly cannot say enough good things about Breckenridge Brewery. They've got a beer for any occasion, and that just comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. They've been doing it for 33 years, and they've got a little something for everyone. The Avalanche Amber Ale, always slapped. Can't go wrong with Fun Slinger, their collab with Never Summer. I'm a big Mountain Beach Sour guy, even in the winter. You know, get a little taste of summer when it's cold out. Whatever you're into, they're going to have something for you. And again, check out that Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com.
All right. It all comes down to Saturday night for Colorado State football and San Diego State. Both teams three and six. Both teams trying to keep postseason eligibility on the table. San Diego State actually trying to avoid their first losing season since 2009. They have been one of the most consistent programs in the Mountain West Conference over the last 15 years. It's been a struggle for them, though. They've played a tough schedule to their credit. Multiple Pac-12 teams playing Ohio out of the MAC. They're a quality program. Even the Mountain West teams that they played to this point have largely been quality opponents. That said, when you look at the numbers, this feels like a very winnable game for CSU. They're favored by three and a half points the last time that I checked. This is a big opportunity. This is a statement chance for the Rams. Their backs are against the wall. They've lost three straight now. Now 1-19 in in their last 20 rivalry games going back to 2016. Fortunately, this isn't a rivalry game. It's not a trophy matchup. It is a big game, though, and it is a must-win matchup for the Rams. So let's get into some of the big keys for CSU. Starting with key number one, you've got to put points on the board. Jay Norvell said it himself this past weekend up in Laramie. If you don't score, you're not going to win in this league. It's just the reality it's not the Big Ten West, you know, you're not going to win 13 to 10 or something like that, at least not consistently. But this is the San Diego State defense that is giving up the most points per game that they've allowed since 2013. It's, a, it's been a struggle for them. As we've said, this is an opportunity for CSU to get that offense right. Defensively, you got to get off the field. Third down D has been an issue for CSU this year. It was an issue in the loss to Wyoming, to be honest. But this is an offense, San Diego State offense, that really struggles to sustain drives. When you look at the numbers, they rank 121st in first down offense. They're 112th in third down conversion. So this is a team that struggles to consistently execute up and down the field. If you can get San Diego State in a spot where it's third and medium, it's third and long, and you force Jalen Maiden, their quarterback, to beat you as a passer, I really like the spot that CSU is in. However, off of that, you really have to keep containment. It was a a struggle against Andrew Peasley multiple times where he had him in second and long, third and long. He scampers for 10, 15, no problem. You can't get burned there again because that can be backbreaking, especially when you're doing well on first and second down to then give up those plays where the quarterback just rushes for it untouched. It's, It's brutal. So keeping containment is going to be another big key as is living to fight another day. You're the better team. Don't beat yourself. Don't force things and and turn the ball over. Don't try and do too much on the defensive side and give up a big play as a result. We've already said they struggle to sustain drives. Bend, don't break. Just make them consistently execute all the way up and down the field. You're going to give up some runs. You're going to give up some plays. If you can hold them to three in certain instances, that's going to be a win. But just live to fight another day, and more than anything, don't beat yourself with dumb mistakes. Fourth key for the Rams in this one is to get the passing game in a rhythm early. I think you need to get your young QB some confidence, get him feeling good out there, get that offense in a rhythm. It's been a couple weeks now, really, since we've seen that consistently. I I do want them to establish the run, which is my fifth and final key. This is a San Diego State defense that's given up about 170 yards on the ground per game, about five yards per carry. You want to be able to work some clock. You want to be able 
to keep the sticks moving and not have it all fall on your redshirt freshman quarterback to have to do absolutely everything. You'd like to see Avery Morrow and Van Shield, you know, get over 100 yards combined <laughs> as a team. That would be great to see. But I think more than anything, you've just got to figure out how to get back in that rhythm offensively that we saw CSU during those first couple of non-conference games. When I think about the way the passing offense looked against CU, how it looked against Middle Tennessee down the stretch, they really carved up man. They were able to create some opportunities where guys got the ball in space and were able to create for themselves, create some yards after the catch. You'd like to see them get back to that. But no matter what, however you do it, just find a way to put some points on the board. If you score 30 in this game, you win. If you even get to 25, I think you have a pretty good chance to win just with what we've seen from San Diego State's offense this year. But get to 30, and and that should be enough to win so long as the defense does not have one of those days where they just melt down. They've actually played pretty good these last couple weeks. That's been... The frustrating thing here is when the offense was clicking, the defense struggled. Now the defense has been more consistent and the offense is struggling. Sometimes that's just how it goes with young teams here. But if the Rams can figure it out, establish some consistency with their backs against the wall, they have an opportunity to do something that would mean a whole lot to the the supporters of this program. And that's make the postseason for the first time since 2017. Winning a bowl would be huge. It's It's been a decade since that New Mexico Bowl victory over Washington State. We only have two bowl victories since Sonny Lubick moved on. It's it's been a really tough stretch, and I just think it would be huge for this program and the growth to be able to have that extra month of practice to continue it through the winter, create some positive momentum. And the win-loss column would be huge. Really big opportunity. I know that making the New Mexico Bowl is not the the type of thing we would have strived for under Lubick. At the end of the day, though, you haven't made any bowls since 2017. Beggars can't really beat choosers, and they just need to end that streak at some point. It all starts with San Diego State, though. If you lose this one, you know, the, the context of those last two games, it, it all changes. It's not that they become totally obsolete. You've got a lot of young guys that, You'd like to see get on the field. You have some veterans that, frankly, you owe the the chance to finish their their career the right way, and that's competitively with some wins. But at this point, I'm pretty much in wait-and-see mode because I do think that CSU is more talented than San Diego State. I've thought that since July. But they've got to go out and prove it. They've got to go out and execute. They have talent. They play hard. This team never lays down. They never stop fighting. Now they have an opportunity here against some beatable opponents and they have a chance to ultimately go out and define this season. If you make a bowl game 10 years from now, you're going to look back on this year pretty positively, even with the frustrating moments. You snap the losing streak to Boise State. You snap the the postseason list streak. I mean, that would be a lot to feel good about, especially with the growth we saw with the offensive line this year. I mean, there are a lot of things you can look at and and feel proud of, but at the end of the day, this is a win-loss business. And if you miss a bowl game, it is going to feel like a missed opportunity, just given the the high-level talent that you have on the roster, the fact that you were tied or leading at halftime in a lot of these losses. It's it's been a roller coaster. It really has, but ultimately these these next three weeks are, are gonna define the year. So we'll see what happens. I uh, appreciate you guys listening to my content. I think I'm going to be remote Friday night for basketball. That was not the plan, but 
been battling a nasty cough now all week. Just think one more night at home might be beneficial. I don't want to expose people either. But plan is definitely to be there for San Diego State. Either way, may have to wear a mask and sit in the corner by myself or something like that. But it's a huge game. It's a must-win opportunity for CSU. Maybe the first true must-win of the Norvell era. I mean, last year was such a weird situation. Maybe you could point to that Nevada game last year just because you had started the year so brutally and it meant so much to the players and team. But I think with the fans, CSU fans at least, this is probably as close to a must-win as it gets, at least in year two. It's not a rivalry game, but it's a game to keep your season alive. So we'll see how they respond. Uh, I'll have a post-game show Sunday morning at 10.30, DNVR Rams Live. You can watch on the DNVR Sports YouTube. Of course, I'll always upload the audio straight into your podcast feed as well. So if you just want to keep on listening the old-school way, like we've been doing the last four years now, which is crazy, I've got you there as well. I've received a lot of support these last couple of weeks, a lot of really kind messages from people that support the podcast. And I just want you to know, I never, I never overlook stuff like that. It, it genuinely makes my day. So much love to everybody. It, it's been an up and down affair, obviously, but really excited to see the direction of this basketball program. I still certainly believe in what's being built under Jay Norvell on the football side. Big, big weekend to be a CSU fan. We'll have content for you throughout it all. As always, I'm proud to be. Much love, y'all. Peace.